there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies and TV shows. That we do. That we do. And this week, we are finishing one of the greatest television shows of all time. Avatar The Last Airbender, book three, Fire! Fire! Yes, uh, we recently finished watching all 21 episodes of season three, and I have many much emotions and many much feelings and things, and I'm so pleased and satisfied with the ending of the show, which I feel like is a rarity in television in general. (laughs) Well, yeah, because most TV shows, when they're successful, the problem is they keep going. Right. They overstay their welcome and <laughs> Walking Dead. Like, a lot of shows tend to be like, we've gone a season or two too long. We've stretched this too far. And <laughs> Doctor Who. So, Avatar The Last Airbender ended perfectly, I would say. I would say so, yeah. Which is kind of crazy for a, a kid's cartoon show. But uh, just in case you missed our episodes on both season one and season two, again, Scott has seen the show before. This was my first experience with the show. Season three aired throughout 2007 and 2008. What I found really interesting about this actually and kind of torturous is that for season three, they aired half the episodes on a weekly basis until the end of 2007. And then they just had nothing for like six, seven months. And, and like, it, it what? <laughs> they just like left it on the most insane, like high note cliffhanger situation and then did nothing for six, seven months, then aired like the last 10 or so episodes. And they had this four part finale that was incredibly epic. But these poor children, these poor tortured souls had to wait seven months (laughs) for new episodes it's like insanity to me i've never seen that well i think that's more frequent now like shows do that more now than i think they did back then oh yeah i mean they definitely have their kind of mid-season break but i feel like it doesn't last seven months (laughs) as a kid i can imagine that being pretty like harrowing (laughs) oh it was frustrating but yeah it's it's one of those things that i think they did it because those last 10 episodes really ramp up. We go full force ahead to the end. Yeah, what I will say about just the season in general, in particular, it went by really fast. Like, there weren't really any slow-paced episodes, whereas in seasons one and two, there's usually, like, a couple in each season that are maybe slower and kind of not as exciting, you know what I mean? But pretty much all of the episodes in the season there was something going on even the worst episode which i think is uh nightmares, is nightmares and daydreams yeah. is a goofy episode yeah for sure it's goofy before that particular episode there's a lot of intense shit going on and then it just seems like they threw that episode in to be like oh remember these are all children <laughs> kids will be kids you know and it's like oh yeah these are all like 12 to 16 year old children we're talking about doing this shit (laughs) that are stressed beyond belief right (laughs) that episode and the beach are the two like uh, episodes of like the season but the beach 
where we focus mainly on our four antagonists, Zuko, Asula, May, and Ty Lee. That episode is interesting because I think we start seeing Azula start to break down because that's a whole thing this season. Well, I don't even think that's the episode you see her break down. I feel like in that particular episode, you see the four antagonists, but everyone except Azula is given kind of a human moment. And then when they try to give Azula a human moment, she doesn't connect with it and you realize like oh she might be too far gone and then later on you kind of realize oh yeah she's too far gone like you can't reach her anymore she's always been like this intense perfect like she's even shown like in the beginning when we first introduced her how if it's not perfect she's a fucking psychopath about it but like here we really start to kind of see those cracks it's an untenable amount of pressure But as we've mentioned in our previous episodes, Avatar The Last Airbender was created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konetsko, who are also the executive producers. They both also had a hand in writing some of the episodes, particularly in this season. They both had a hand in all the finale episodes, which is great. Kind of the creators of the property kind of bringing it home for the fans, which I loved. Also, there were three directors who worked on all the episodes for this season. We had Giancarlo Volpe, Joaquim Dos Santos, and Ethan Spaulding. And they all have been a part of the show in some capacity since day one. And there's four episodes in the finale. They all had a hand in directing at least one episode of the finale. I really like that Avatar The Last Airbender really seemed like a very like in-house. We're very protective of this property and we want to do it right. And... We're going to bring it home the way it deserves to be brought home. I really appreciate that. And that's the thing, though, about the show in general. It does seem like a very family-oriented thing, and they seem to have kept that going. That's why Netflix's Avatar seemed to, like, sputter with creative differences. Right. They are still doing the live-action Netflix series, which I will say, like, I'm still interested in watching it. And I'm also, after watching this whole show now and being very satisfied with it, I will say I'm very interested in now moving on potentially to watching Legend of Korra, even though it's set, like, 70 years after this show, which is kind of a bummer. I'm like, I want to see more of these characters. You will see two of them. Yeah, I know I know the older versions of them show up in Korra. I know that much, but it's like, meh. <laughs> I want to see them and like their life and what happened after the war. But, I mean, you know, can't have everything, I guess. I, I will say that I think the, the season's... It just got better as it went along, and I think... I don't know if it was planned out that they were just going to have the three seasons and then, like, it was all planned from the beginning that way, but it seems like it is because it's all very tight and succinct and I feel like more shows and movie franchises as <laughs> Star Wars should plan themselves out this way because everything was tied up in a bow and it was done perfectly and I will say even though like the first two seasons I feel like there were more yucks to be had this season definitely had less yucks but like rightfully so because we're coming to the big end of the war battley shit you know things are getting very real but overall this is my favorite season I think and it shows because this is a pretty historic year for Avatar The Last Airbender in the world of Nickelodeon which is 
obviously the network that this show was aired on. It won the Kids' Choice Award in 2008 for Favorite Cartoon, which is a big old fucking deal because it beat SpongeBob, which at the time had a five-year winning streak. And right after this year, 2008, when it won the KCA, SpongeBob picked up again and has continued dominating the favorite cartoon category to this day, which is obviously a powerhouse cartoon SpongeBob. We referenced it multiple times on this show. It's an icon. And Avatar was like, fuck you. I want my orange blimp, sir. And um, Avatar The Last Airbender also won a Peabody Award in 2008 for being one of the 30 most powerful, enlightening, and invigorating stories on TV for that year, which I think is also very noteworthy so yeah it's so amazing that this little show has existed in such a way that people still love it to this day like how many times have you seen like oh a three season show nobody's like oh you have your couple fans who are like oh i can reference that and that's great but there are people who still talk about this in such high regard. Every show has a couple episodes where you're like, eh, it's fine. Even this season pokes fun of that because they have a whole episode poking fun at the first two seasons. That was like an excellent episode just for its like practicality and purpose. Like it's just, ooh, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Ember Island players, you guys. We're going to get there. But I will say before we get into the nitty and the gritty... I did write down some of my expectations for the final season of Avatar The Last Airbender because I feel like just from osmosis in pop culture, I kind of had an idea of like how it was going to end. I knew it was a happy ending because Nickelodeon, right? But I just wanted to like get a gauge on like what I thought was going to occur throughout the season. So I wrote down some things. The first of which is like, I think the most obvious one, which I just wrote in all caps, emotional damage. So I feel like that's fair. That's like an obvious one, like a given, you know? Yeah. But I also wrote love triangle between Aang, Katara, and Zuko, which we get very much that thing. I mean, you know... I'm all about Aang and Katara, right? Like, I'm all about, you know, the sweet teenager love, right? I'm, I'm down for it. However, like I mentioned in previous episodes when we talked about Avatar, there are strong Draco-Hermione shipping vibes between Zuko and Katara, which cannot be denied in this season. This is more developed than a Draco-Hermione ship. Well, yes. I mean, Zuko's whole turn... Which, that is also on my list of expectations. Like, finally, let's fucking get Zuko on the good side already. But I would say that just Zuko in general is like a more developed Draco Malfoy. Well, yeah, he's a more developed Draco Malfoy. But he actually has moments with Katara that's like really like impactful moments Mm -hmm. throughout the show. From like season two when they're, they're trapped in bossing, say... To season one when they have that fight over Aang's body. Oh, baby. <laughs> Tension. There's a whole big thing between the two of them. And it does culminate in like a really beautiful way at the very end. Yeah. that The ending. Oh, my God. The end with them. Because like, you know, obviously, that Aang being the ultimate good guy and Zuko being the ultimate bad guy, you know he's going to turn. So, you know, Aang and Zuko are going to be buds, right? But specifically the relationship that he develops really with everybody else in Team Avatar, but specifically him and Katara, I feel like, develop a really strong bond. 
because when Zuko turns, she trusts him probably the least out of everybody and is very like, You make one step backward, one slip up, give me one reason to think you might hurt Aang, and you won't have to worry about your destiny anymore because I'll make sure your destiny ends right then and there, permanently. Because of that, I feel like when she does trust him, they become very close, which I love. Well, she's the hardest to convince because he already had convinced her that he was... Right, that he was a good guy once and then... And then he turned his back on them. Right, right, right. So it was like, you you bite me once, shame on you. You bite me twice, shame on me. Right. But a couple of the things I was predicting or hoping for in this season, obviously uh, Zuko getting back together with uh, Iroh, I was expecting and hoping for because Zuko and Iroh's relationship is obviously like awesome. And what I really love in this season is that Zuko really does acknowledge in this season how important Iroh is to him and that he is more like a father to him than his own father. So when they do finally get back together, it is like such a powerful, sweet, beautiful fucking moment. I just, oh, I love it. I I cried. I cried. You did. (laughs) It's still good. And then the uh, other main thing I wanted to touch on is like, I was so excited and ready and willing to accept and love Mark Hamill actually like being a real player this season and like we get to hear some of that great Mark Hamill voice acting I was ready for it well there are a couple of times where I heard the Joker in there not gonna lie but he does a very subtle voice acting performance for the most part as Fire Lord Ozai honestly where you really hear the Joker is at the very end when he's fighting Aang there's a couple lines you sit there and you go okay that's Joker but no, yeah, he does have a very subtle performance as the Fire Lord. Okay, you ready to kind of get into the nitty gritty of this? Yeah, let's let's bring this puppy home. So basically, we start with where we ended. Aang got shot in the back with lightning. <laughs> They're in the Fire Nation hiding out, right? And everyone thinks that Aang is dead. The Avatar is no more. And I found it interesting that Aang was in a situation where he had to hide that he was the avatar from everybody and that he basically had to assimilate himself into Fire Nation life and he kind of got a different perspective of the people of the Fire Nation specifically the kids I thought that was an interesting little path we went on like he just went to school with Fire Nation kids for some reason Mr. and Mrs. Fire. <laughs> oh my god, that was fun. Like, the whole thing with Aang going to school was weird. <laughs> like, so, some things happen in this show sometimes where... And they do address it later on in this season particularly. But, like, they just do things sometimes. And it's like, um, isn't there, like, a war going on? Aren't you guys on a mission? And you're like, oh, I'm going to go to school. And it's like, wait, oh, we're going to have a beach party. <laughs> And it's like, wait, no. <laughs> it's like the fucking episode in Bossing Say in last season where, like, oh, Katara and Toph are going to the spa looking beautiful. Meanwhile, we're in a fucking prison town that is hypnotizing people <laughs> and, like, we're going to die. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I, I do get it. But again, you also have to remember it is a kid's show. Right. At least this is trying to illustrate. I guess almost like fascism on kids. You even compared that episode to Footloose. Yeah, so I make a reference to 
the show being Footloose, basically, because Aang sets up like a dance party for the kids in the Fire Nation because the kids are like, oh, we don't dance in the Fire Nation. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, it's Footloose. And he's like, no, come to my cave and we'll have a dance party. And they have this little dance party and all the kids love it. And then the, the fucking adults come and ruin the party. And it's like, oh my God. It's cute. Like the beginning of this is like, okay, what are we doing? What's our plan? And then it's like, okay, we have to get to this spot to attack the Fire Nation on this day because firebending will be gone. Because of the eclipse. That's what we're building to. But we get to things like the Painted Lady, which is a Katara-centric episode where Katara is pretending to be a spirit destroying pollution. It's our Captain Planet episode. <laughs> well, Planeteers, what seems to be the problem? They're cutting down the trees. Then I guess we'll have to plant some more. There's a much better Katara-centric episode later in the season called The Puppet Master, where we introduce a very dark and scary aspect of waterbending. But yeah, I do like in this season just in particular, everyone really does kind of have a character-centric episode. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, Toph didn't really get a Toph-centric episode, really. I mean, she had an episode that she kind of shared with Katara where she talked a lot about her missing her parents and stuff. And I kind of thought at the end of the season they would wrap that up and like have her parents come and be like, oh, tough. You're so awesome. And she'd be like, mom, dad. But no, that didn't, that didn't happen. But yeah, Katara really, she gets a lot of good moments in this season. She gets a moment with her dad where she's just kind of angry at him for having to leave, even though she knows he had to leave. She's just... I it was really sad because it's just like she's a teenager and she's growing up and she's realizing that life just isn't fair sometimes and she's just kind of dealing with that because as a kid you just idealize everything but then as you grow up you realize yeah not so much and it's I just I liked that depiction of just growing up you know what I mean yeah I think the reason Toph doesn't get a lot of character development in this season is because a lot of season two does kind of involve her yeah and it's just like okay so we've we've done our tough stuff now she's just kind of part of the crew right yeah i mean they, they do a lot of crew stuff in this whole season there's a lot of teamwork makes the dream work so i'm not mad at it because Sokka too like Sokka in the second half of the season he really has shown a lot of maturation just like you know running missions and like he's like a, a real strategist and a kick-ass I just love Sokka like I feel like they relied a lot less on the yucks although he does have yucks because you can't have Sokka with no yucks I mean that's just not possible right but they do focus on him a lot more just as a young man instead of a kid who cracks jokes all the time well that's the thing like if you look back at Sokka from like season one, you're right. It does show a lot of maturation. And then you get Toph making fun of him in season two where she's like, oh, it's free on free. Oh, I wasn't counting Sokka because Sokka can't bend. <laughs> and Sokka's like, I can help. But then Sokka becomes a sword master and he gets a space sword. <laughs> he does get a space sword. 
Because literally an asteroid falls to the ground and he goes and meets with the sword man. This is one of my like favorite episodes, actually, Sokka's Master. It's like the fourth episode in the season. And it's just a Sokka-centric episode. And he's basically just, you know, bummed because he's like, you guys are all magic and I'm not magical. So he goes and meets the sword master who teaches him how to like fight like a motherfucker. And he makes him a sword out of a fucking space rock that fell to the ground and he just calls it his space sword like for the rest of the season and it's just all black and dope as fuck it's really cool well it's also funny because like ang katara and Toph like have no idea what to do with themselves when sokka's like busy oh yeah they're like we miss sokka say something funny sokka please but it's great too because and then in the second half of the season He's breaking into a Fire Nation prison to save his dad and save Suki. Suki! Can we talk about Suki for a second? Yes. Okay, so they have this moment, right? They eventually get to the big battle during the eclipse, right? And that's a big turning point for the season. Like, that's literally where the show leaves off before it's, like, six-month hiatus or whatever. So they have this two-part episode, Day of the Black Sun. Great pair of episodes. Sokka, Aang, and Toph are fighting Azula, right? And halfway through their little fight, Sokka realizes, oh shit, she's just trying to waste our time so we can't get to the Fire Lord. Let's just go, right? And then Azula turns around and says to Sokka, oh, um, by the way, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but by the way, uh, your girlfriend was asking about you. She kept thinking that you were going to come and save her, but I guess she gave up. And then you realize, as a, as a person watching this for the first time, I realized like, oh my God, Suki, <laughs> she's been captive this whole time. Because in the last season... Azula and her little lackeys were pretending to be Kyoshi warriors and you totally just forgot I felt bad I was like oh my god I forgot about Suki and the Kyoshi warriors that got rocked by fucking Azula and the gang and like what happened to them and apparently they were taken prisoners so you are feeling exactly the same way as Sokka and he turns around and just loses it he's like where's Suki he's like oh my god yeah where is Suki what happened to Suki and then he eventually does save her and it's a really cute moment and what I love too is that like up until now any romantic things going on were very like pg i mean not that this isn't pg but like before this point it was g okay let's say that it was very g like let's hold hands as you turn into the moon or you know let's talk about how much i like like you and you know not talk about kissy kissy at all a, meanwhile <laughs> a peck on the cheek right meanwhile this fucking season there's a whole sequence where Oh, they're going to do it. Sokka and Suki are fucking. They are fucking, and I'm so happy for them. Like, Sokka is literally in his tent. Suki is sneaking in to go into his tent, and Zuko, who's on their side now at this point, he's trying to talk to Sokka, and he's like, oh, Suki, hi, did you want to talk to Sokka? And she's like, oh, no, 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 you, you go ahead. And <laughs> Zuko goes in the tent, and he's like half naked with a fucking rose in his mouth, like, hello. And it's like, oh, my God, okay. <laughs> They're having a moment, and we interrupt it. I'm so sorry. But, yeah, I just, I love that for Sokka. He needs a little release, okay? He is very stressed out. <laughs> All these magic people everywhere throwing fire. <laughs> he needs a little fire of his own. Oh, God, it's so funny. And in the Black Sun episodes, 
at the very end of that because Zuko has slowly been turning and this whole build to him finally realizing that, fuck, my father's a dickbag. My sister's a bitch. Like, I'm never going to be accepted here. I got to find my own fucking path. Yeah, I do like that it wasn't immediate. And they kind of showed him slowly kind of cracking while he was in the Fire Nation. Because he even says at one point, like, I got everything I wanted. My dad accepts me. I'm back home. You know, and I'm fucking miserable. Why am I miserable? And then he realized, like, oh, because I can't be myself here. No one gives a shit about me. I don't feel safe here at all. My uncle's in prison. (laughs) And then he realizes, like, oh... I gotta go. I gotta get the fuck out of here. And he confronts his father, and oh my god, he has this whole big speech with his father, like... The people of the world are terrified by the Fire Nation. They don't see our greatness. They hate us, and we deserve it. We've created an era of fear in the world, and if we don't want the world to destroy itself, we need to replace it with an era of peace and kindness. I'm gonna go break my uncle out of prison... And I'm going to join the Avatar and help him beat you. And, yeah, that was that was pretty amazing. Oh, and then his father shoots lightning at him, and it's the first time he <gasps> yes, redirects lightning. And he it's did just like, it. oh my God. Oh, he did it. I was so happy. Because it was Zuko. such a. They underestimate him, too. I hate that. They underestimate Zuko. At least his father does. And I'm like, oh. bitch, he can fucking end this right now if oh, he wanted to. Everyone does in the Fire Nation. But the greatest thing about this season is they drop little hints of things throughout the show. And. I'm pretty sure most of them and most of the characters come back and pay off at the end. Yeah. When Iroh first teaches Zuko how to bend lightning, and he's like, well, I'm not going to shoot lightning at you. Why would I shoot lightning at my fucking nephew? That's insane. Yeah, meanwhile, his dad shoots lightning at him without even thinking about it. It's so, ugh. But anyway, since we mentioned Iroh, here's my thing. On one hand, I am very pleased with Iroh's arc this season on the other hand I am bummed because he's not in this season very much they show him locked away in prison throughout his time in the Fire Nation prison we also see him slowly but surely getting fucking jacked and ready to like break the fuck out of there which he eventually does when Zuko goes after he fights his dad he goes to the prison cell to find Iroh and he has already broken out and escaped and he doesn't come back until like the finale which is crazy but at the same time it does kind of make his and Zuko's reunion all the more sweet because they've had so much time apart and Zuko in his head is like oh my god he fucking hates me I betrayed him da 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 so it 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 really does kind of have an absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing I I think yes that's one reason I think the other reason is because no offense to the new voice actor who has taken over as Iroh, I think the longer you have him speak, the more you can tell it's not Mako. Right, that's probably true. As we mentioned in our last episode about Avatar, Mako did pass away in between seasons, I believe. And he was replaced in this season by Greg Baldwin, who is uh, another pretty accomplished voice actor. He worked on Samurai Jack. Uh, the Clone Wars TV show, a bunch of other things. So he is certainly accomplished and he did a great job. But yeah, it's, it is kind of a bummer that Iroh wasn't in as much of this season. 
Yeah. But there's so many great moments, especially the Black Sun. There's so many great moments in that episode and they fail. Yeah, that well, that's the thing, because the whole second season was leading up to them figuring out, okay, the firebenders are weaker and can't use their powers during this eclipse, so we have to fight them on this eclipse. And that was like the big revelation that came out of season two. So going into season three, that's what they're preparing for. And then when you realize that the battle during the eclipse takes place like in the middle of the season, you're like, hmm. Okay, so this isn't going to be just like, yay, the war is won. <laughs> like, it's not going to work out very well. So something's going to happen. The two-parter ends where the good guys are defeated. The kids are basically led to escape while the adults all get taken prisoner. But there is a, a, a twinge of hope for the second half of the season when the kids take off on Appa. We see that Zuko is following in his little weather balloon. And you're like, yes, okay, so this this is going to happen now. Now Zuko is turning. When you watch it, though, it wraps up so well. Oh, for sure. The last half really went by very quickly. It's basically just six episodes leading up to this four-part finale. So it's ten episodes total. But it still it went by so fast. But like these six episodes are very much like Suko trying to join the group and get everyone to trust him finally. He has so many great moments in the six episodes. Like he's practicing how he's gonna like approach oh Team my God. Avatar. Hi, Suko here. <laughs> it's so funny. What I love about it though is that like I mean, it's hard because it is a kid's show and it's like twenty something minute episodes, right? So in a way, you do kind of have to rush things to a certain extent because between episode 12 and episodes 18 through 20, you have to get Zuko from sworn enemy to trusted ally. So you only have six episodes to get him there. So to an extent, you do have to kind of rush things. However, they A, don't trust him right away. B, it's not like he completely changes his whole personality and becomes like uber good guy. Like they manage to develop and evolve Zuko as well as everybody else around Zuko throughout these six episodes. You know, Zuko gets a moment with Aang where they go off and discover the origin of firebending. And that's a great moment for Zuko in particular, even more so than Aang, I feel like, because Zuko realizes that he can't firebend like he used to because before he had been firebending from just rage and anger and he's like that's not the true origin of firebending the true origin of firebending is fire brings energy and life and like that's where you have to come from with it right so that's a great way to show like the change in mindset and it ultimately makes Zuko a stronger firebender even stronger than Azula and then he goes on the whole prison break with Sokka and they bond and I love their like little bro moments oh my god that's another great moment because they're flying to the prison but kind of like oh my god best best line best fucking moment of the season best line go (laughs) they're kind of like going back and forth with each other and Sokka goes my first girlfriend turned into the moon that's rough buddy oh my god I was dying Oh my hysterical God. laughing i'm like what the fuck is this conversation <laughs> like what do you, how do you like even if you thought about that logically how are you how are you supposed to respond to that yeah and what i love too about zuko is we kind of get the because they're talking about their respective like girlfriends and zuko's talking about may 
who we do end up seeing in this whole couple of episodes where they go to do the prison break because you realize they really do care about each other to the point where may actually when azula shows up to try to catch zuko may defends him and fights azula to try to stop her and this is a turning point for Azula, too. I think this is where she really starts to snap because May and Ty Lee, who are like her two lackeys throughout the whole show, ultimately turn on her. Because when Azula attacks May, Ty Lee turns on Azula. Even you were like, holy shit! I wasn't <laughs> expecting that at all. I don't know what I was expecting, but I, I didn't expect that. And it's great because you mentioned the episode The Beach, which was a little earlier in the season they're just pretending to be normal kids and they go to the beach and they play volleyball and they go to a party with a bunch of other kids and stuff and like you realize that Azula does want to connect to other people deep down but she literally just doesn't know how she's so used to communing with people through fear that she doesn't know how to actually develop an actual real relationship with a human and it's like really kind of devastating when you think about it you feel bad for Azula. You do. A little bit. When we get to the finale is where you really feel bad for her. But we're going to talk about that when we get into the actual finale. The next big Zuko moment, though, is when Zuko connects with Katara. Yes! I'm, I also want to bring this back to the Puppet Master episode, too, which Ugh. happens earlier on. That was season. by far the darkest episode of the season. So, the Puppet Master episode, Team Avatar runs into... A waterbender who's hiding out in the Fire Nation. She's like, I was captured with all the other waterbenders, and I learned to bloodbend, which is a scary concept because what we're seventy percent water, eighty percent water, or whatever we are, and you can literally take it and cause people to just move without any control of their own bodies. Later on, because we do realize when Katara confronts this old woman, oh. Katara can do this and she does and it's really scary it freaks her the fuck out which I could understand well yeah because the lady's like cool I created another bloodbender that's all I freaking wanted to do yeah it's it's really and it, it comes back later because when Zuko joins team Avatar Katara she's just very hostile with Zuko he goes to Sokka in the aforementioned you know awkward sexy moment and he says, I think she attaches me to what happened to your mom because I am I was part of the Fire Nation and the Fire Nation killed her mom. So, like, that's, you know, it's not necessarily fair because he didn't do it, obviously, but it makes sense. You know, she's angry. So he's like, I want to know what happened to your mother. And when Sokka tells Zuko, like, you know, this specific person killed their mom Zuko's like okay I think I know who this guy is so he tells Katara who this guy is and says I'll help you find this guy who killed your mom Aang and Sokka are kind of hesitant to like be okay with this because they're like well what are you gonna do when you find this guy like you can't just take revenge on him that's not gonna make you feel better and then eventually they do go her and Zuko and they don't have as much bonding on the mission necessarily I think the way she kind of learns how to trust Zuko is like she realizes that the guy who killed her mother is just an empty soul and like 
doesn't really care about anyone and is kind of just dead inside because when she finds the guy he's like a whimpering pathetic asshole who like offers up his own mother as a sacrifice like i killed your mom you can kill my mom if you want like it's just it's crazy it's bizarre and she blood bends another guy who she thinks was him but it turns out the wrong guy and that's a whole other can of worms it's like oh honey you can't keep doing this it's not okay so she realizes like how bad this could get and she eventually does the right thing and walks away from it but at the end of the episode she goes to Zuko and she says I'm I'm not ready to forgive the guy that killed my mom I don't think I'll ever forgive him but I can forgive you because I think she recognizes that he's not like the other people in the fire nation that just killed and didn't think about it and just you know what I mean oh yeah she recognizes that he's not like that and that he genuinely cares about not just her but about about everybody because he's he's here and he wants to make it right you know that in itself kind of shows that like you're not some heartless you know unfeeling asshole you genuinely want to be on the right side of things well Iroh puts it great later on when he does talk to Zuko finally oh like one of the best moments in the show <laughs> it's it's so sad it, it's so uh, not not sad but it's like emotional that's the word I'm looking for right I was never angry with you I was sad because I was afraid you lost your way. I did lose my way. But you found it again. And that's the thing about Suko's journey is finding his own path. And that's kind of why he's become such a great character that everyone loves. Is yeah. He went on this journey. And that's why when we compared him to Draco... I don't think Draco ever got to this point. Well, that's the thing. That's what breaks my heart about it, being a Harry Potter fan. Like, I wish that Draco got what Zuko got. But the last thing we're left with on this episode, because Aang is talking to both Zuko and Katara, basically saying violence is never the answer. And Zuko looks at him at the end of the episode and he goes, you were right in this situation, but what are you going to do when you face my father? Yeah, and that's basically how we go into the finale. And then... We're like, you know what? We're going to have one more kind of like silly episode before we get into the real, real shit. So let's do the Ember Island players, which I I knew there was an episode where there's a a stage show about Team Avatar, which I couldn't help but think of that line in Euphoria where they're all sitting in the auditorium and they're like, wait, is this fucking play about us? As a theater lover, I enjoyed it. I think that this was just practically the best decision that the writers and creators could have made because it's an excellent just highlight reel of everything we've gone through so far before we get into the finale of Avatar The Last Airbender. But, it literally goes through everything. Well, it's also great because it's it pokes fun at a lot of the things that were made fun of by people who were watching the show. The jet line, I fucking fell over. The uh. jet line. I died. They play out the scene where Jet dies, question mark. They have a rock fall on the guy who's playing Jet. And then real life Zuko turns around to Sokka and he's like, um, did Jet just die? And Sokka goes, you know what? It wasn't really made clear. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, that's great. Does character who plays Zuko just screams about honor. Katara's just like a whimpering mess giving speeches about hope. Aang is particularly like, a girl's playing me. Oh, yes. Well, the, the, the choices they made for the actors playing Team Avatar is kind of funny. So, first of all, yes, they have a, a female playing Aang. They had uh, Scott Menville playing 
the actor Sokka, who plays Robin in Teen Titans, which I felt was very appropriate. Yes. And then they had the actor for Zuko played by Derek Bosco, who is Dante Bosco's brother. (laughs) That's good. And then really like the funniest one by far is the fact that the actor Toph is both animated as a buff ass dude and she is voiced by John DiMaggio who plays Bender on Futurama. (laughs) Well, it's even great because, okay, the one thing we also didn't bring up during uh, the Black Sun episode is Aang and Katara kiss. (gasps) Yes. Oh my God, you guys, you guys. Hold on tight for this love triangle goodness. Okay, so... In the battle with the, 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 what's it called? The eclipse, right? Yeah. Okay. Aang is like, oh, what if I don't come back? And Katara's like, oh, don't say that. And then he just kisses her. And, you know, they blush. And they go off and they fight the battle, right? And then they don't fucking mention it ever again. Until this episode, we're like in an intermission. Aang and Katara alone. And meanwhile, there's a scene in the play where Katara is like clearly hitting on Zuko and he's like well what about the avatar and Katara's like I love him as a brother so Aang is like having a moment like what the fuck does she like me as a brother what the fuck so they talk privately and he's like you know we kissed and like I thought we were gonna be together and stuff but like we're not like what's the deal Katara and she's like I don't know I'm confused and then he goes to kiss her again she's like I just said I'm confused and you can't see what the fuck and then that's the end of that however at the end spoiler alert they end up getting together which we all knew was gonna happen i don't feel like it's a big spoiler but did she say she was confused because she has feelings for suko go <laughs> I, I don't think it's that i, think, I don't think so either <laughs> i think it's more there's a lot going on yes we are in the end stages of this war fair and to be like hey we're a couple right now would be very hard to yeah. manage. It's it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's like imagine if like when we got together as middle schoolers back in the day, if we decided to do it during finals week or something. I mean, that's a very low scale way to look at this. <laughs> There's, they're in the middle of a war where people are dying left to right, Scott. Test the war, dude. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyway, well, the I, point I, is... I don't have a I know, because we're not in the world of Avatar The Last Airbender. The point is, you know, teenage love triangle madness ensues. But finally, we are here. We are yes. at the finale. Oh, boy. And the finale starts with Zuko being like, hey, we got to finish your training because we got, like, Four days before Sosin's Comet, which makes firebenders extremely powerful, and the Avatar and everybody are like, we're just going to kind of fuck off and wait till Sosin's Comet is done. And Zuko's like, I don't think that's a good idea because my father plans on using Sosin's Comet to take over the world. So they're like, okay. We're going to work on this plan, and we're going to take out Ozai, and we're going to work together as a team. Group hug, everyone. Sokka's like, hey, you got to cut the head off, basically. And Aang's like, I can't do it. I can't. Aang is not one for killing. He's a pacifist. And then suddenly, an island shows up while everybody's asleep. And it calls to Aang. And Aang... Very creepy. 
And then goes off to this island. It's like the fucking lost island. Like, he just magically crash lands there and, like, he's there for, like, half of the finale. He's on this magical mystery island. And Team Avatar is obviously looking for him. And they go off to try and track him down. They find this tracker that Zuko used to use to track Aang. She can't find him, but she says, here, let's try and look for Iroh instead. So, for some reason, Zuko has held on to this dirty, stinking, rotten, fucking nasty sandal of uncle iroh's don't ask me why it makes no sense perhaps he cuddled up with it at night and cried himself to sleep i don't know but <laughs> they tracked down iroh and he's with the rest of the lotus the white yes, lotus the white lotus crew which is that secret society that came up in season two so again we keep getting callbacks to prior seasons which is cool but this is where we get the emotional ass fucking pivotal moment of zuko and iroh making up he's is standing outside of Iroh's tent and he's really scared and Iroh's sleeping and he just sits down and waits for Iroh to wake up and then Iroh gets up and they have their moment and he's so apologetic it's so it's just oh it's just so heartbreaking because Iroh like pulls him in and hugs him and Suko's like how can you forgive me (laughs) like I did all these terrible things and Iroh's like I don't give a shit (laughs) you're back now you found your way even now, I'm crying a little bit. Oh, you big baby. I know. Iroh, like, fills in Team Avatar. We're gonna fucking retake Bossing Say. And you guys do your thing. Sokka, Tsuki, and Toph go destroy the Fire Nation's fleet of warships. Katara and Zuko go uh, deal with Azula. Yeah, because Iroh basically tells Zuko... Listen, I can't take over the Fire Nation. That's not my place. You need to be the Fire Lord. And you need to bring peace and and love and happiness to the Fire Nation. So you need to go and deal with your sister. And then you need to take the throne. And everything else will fall into place. And he's like, I can't do it alone. And he specifically asked Katara to go with him. Which, again, is like, she he recognizes not only is she like the strongest ally to take with him but Katara went from trusting him the least out of everybody to like I'm gonna back your ass up and help you fight your sister and Azula is kind of going nuts yeah she's becoming more and more unhinged because she wanted to be by her father's side and he kind of chastises her and so in her mind even her father's rejecting her but now she's going to be the Fire Lord, so everything's going to be fine. But she's basically pushing everybody away to the point where she's banishing everybody from her own fucking kingdom. <laughs> and then we get really the only human moment we ever see with Azula where she starts hallucinating and seeing her mother. She's lost it completely at this point. Meanwhile, Aang is on the Mystery Island talking to a big lion turtle. <laughs> Yes, and the lion turtle basically tells him, you don't have to kill him. Like, you can learn to energy bend. Right. Well, it's unclear. The lion turtle, surprisingly, is very vague. (laughs) But what I just find hilarious about this show in general is that, like, you know, everything's moving along like a normal TV show, you know, with kids and action and fun, right? And craziness. And then once in a while, you know, your main character will turn into a giant fish man that walks around like Godzilla, destroying a town. Or 
a giant, enormous, huge, talking, fucking lion turtle man will come out of the water and expend fortune cookie knowledge onto your main Like, just, ra- like, that's the most random shit ever. It's fine. It, it's fine. <laughs> so we'll, we'll try and break this down the best we can possibly. Uh, we're going to start with our trio of Toph, Sokka, and Suki because they are fighting the warships. Sokka decides he's going to use his ship that they're controlling to basically cut through all of the other ships in the fleet and destroy them. So he does it. And it's funny because my reaction to it was like, you clearly didn't think this through because even Suki says, well, what happens after we we're basically going to destroy this ship? What what happens then? The one that we're on, like, what are we doing? And he's like, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> and literally earlier when he was doing the prison break episodes with Zuko, Zuko literally told him like, you don't think things through all the way sometimes and you don't really like understand what's going to happen. And literally that's what happens. Their ship that they're in falls apart. They climb up onto the roof and they're gonna jump but because the ship breaks apart Suki gets separated luckily Suki is a badass bitch and she comes back and saves fucking Toph and Sokka but it's just like damn it Sokka like you're so fucking brilliant sometimes but sometimes you just don't think everything through all the way well again he's fucking what 15 but yeah yeah, that was actually a great scene because as he's holding Toph and he was gonna drop Toph well, because he's like, we're going to die, so... Um, I know, but that's what I'm saying. If it wasn't for Suki, they would probably both be dead. Oh, yeah, they, they would have both definitely been dead. So thank you to Suki, who oh, is badass bitch supreme. Anyway. So now we'll cut to Zuko and Katara. Yes. There's definitely action in this sequence, but a lot of it is very emotionally charged, I think, more than the other two. Oh, yeah. So basically, Zuko goes we're stopping you from becoming fire lord you're not gonna become fire lord we're gonna fight and azula challenges zuko to agni kai oh fuck. which if you remember the first season was what fire lord ozai challenged zuko to initially which is a fire bending fight which led him to burning his face exactly but what i love about their fight like in the beginning it's just the animation particularly this part i mean it's beautiful throughout the whole show but in particular with this part Zuko's throwing his orange flames at Azula. Azula's throwing back the blue flames. And the animation is just beautiful. And it's just, it's no, like, dialogue. It's just instrumental over this beautiful, like, animation. Yeah. It really is unbelievable. And they're fighting. They're having this fight. And at one point, Zuko goes, what, no lightning, Azula? And Azula's like, you want lightning? I'll give you fucking lightning. And she shoots one at Katara. And Zuko jumps in front of Katara, takes the blast, redirects most of it up, but still takes some of it. He's out. And Katara's like, oh shit. And she goes to try and help him, and now it's Azula versus Katara. Katara's basically running and trying to figure out a plan. She finds some water underneath a grate, gets Azula to come to her. And freezes them both in this water. That was fucking epic. Oh my god, it was brilliant. It's so great because Azula's pointing at her ready to like blow her head off. And Katara loosens herself up while keeping Azula still frozen and ties her down to the grate so she can't bend with her hands or feet. And then unfreezes both of them. And fucking goes to heal Zuko, which she does. That was such a sweet moment. He wakes up and he's like, oh, thank you. (laughs) And she's like, I should be thanking you. And it's like, oh, my God, just kiss already. 
I, I'm sorry. Maybe it's because when I look at Aang, I just see like a fucking baby, like because he's so short and like cutesy. I like the chemistry between Zuko and Katara better. <laughs> well, I think Dante Bosco throughout this show deserves so much credit. Oh, yeah. He does such a great job. This is his greatest character I think he's ever played. I think so. Probably, yeah. And this leads us to Aang and the Fire Lord. Oh, boy. At one point, the Fire Lord shoots lightning at Aang, and Aang catches it, aims it like he's going to shoot the Fire Lord, and Aang just shoots it into the sky, missing him. Continuing this fight, it's a brutal fight. Aang, like, covers himself in rock, and the Fire Lord just keeps going full force at Aang and knocks Aang back into his scar which activates his chakra which activates the avatar state i didn't know what was going on. i'm like wait what just happened what just happened i thought like he snapped his fucking back or something but yeah as soon as his eyes were going i'm like oh my god avatar state and ang fucking goes ape shit and just wrecks the fire because now the fire lord's on the run it gets to the point where he's got the fire lord pinned And he's going to go deliver the kill shot. And he comes out of the Avatar state getting his control back. And he's like, no, I can't kill you. And the Fire Lord's like, you're weak. Your time to die. And then Aang traps his hands and goes into this energy bending thing. Right. Which I, again, because Lion Turtle was vague, didn't understand what that meant. (laughs) It's basically Aang's energy versus Ozai's energy. And if Ozai's energy beats out Aang's pure energy, Aang becomes corrupted and basically will die. But his pure energy wins out. He takes away Ozai's bending, making him normal, helpless. Right, exactly. And that's how Aang wins without killing him. Right, he was able to restore balance with the Force. I mean, with the elements and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're not wrong. And also not kill anybody, which is what he wanted. So it worked out in the end, and the war is over. We basically get our epilogue, which includes, you know, Zuko becoming the Fire Lord, and he gets back together with Mei. Uh, we get that. We get Zuko and Aang being like, hey, we did it. We're friends. We're buds now. We're all in this together. We're all in I like how it ends with the whole, like, all of them are together, hanging out, and everything is nice and lovely. And then, of course, you know, Aang and Katara are alone together on the balcony. And there are no words. Just smack a little kiss on him, why don't you? And she does, and that's the end. And that is Avatar The Last Airbender. So, yeah, Ooh. it's great. It really is. Yeah, for sure. And I would say, as someone who's watched it for the first time now and completed it, I I would definitely watch it again. So if you haven't seen it in a while and are intrigued by our retelling of what happened throughout these past three seasons, I I would encourage you to rewatch it and just enjoy. But yeah, I think, like I kind of mentioned in the beginning, I think it's very rare for a show to be so tight and like perfectly contained and kind of tied up in a little bow is it a hundred percent perfect no there are little issues here and there but this is you know any critiques that we are really discussing both in this episode and our prior two it's really just nitpicks like it's nothing 
egregious, nothing even close to being something that would keep me from wanting to watch the show or explore more in this whole franchise, which, I mean, I'm I'm ready to watch Korra. Maybe we'll do it for the show at some point. It, it's it's a it's a fun watch. I, I I honestly I can't wait to rewatch it again with you. Well, you are gonna have to show me the movie now. <sighs> Maybe we'll do that to end our little Avatar hoopla. Hoopla. But yeah, it it's such a good show. I I can't recommend it to you more. Okay, so let's let's not do it by season three. Let's just go in general. How would you rate Avatar: The Last Airbender? It's pretty much a five out of five. I would also say five out of five. I really loved it, and I would watch it again just for funsies. I could literally sit here, pull out episodes, and just rewatch certain episodes. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I, I, again, I get like people. Oh, it's a kid show, but it's more than that. It is. It is. It it, it really. If you have kids, I'm telling you, it, they can have fun with it, and you can have fun with it. Right. It's a show that you know scott watched as a child and enjoyed but also both him and myself have watched it now as 30 year old adults and we enjoyed it so i can't complain about that you know yeah exactly so next week we are going to be returning to our mcu monthly series We are going to be joined by a very special guest as we watch yet another Marvel film, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is one of my faves, personally. Yes, same. So I'm very excited to revisit that. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And I can't wait to do another television series. I think we're going to do some other TV thing at some point this season and hopefully we can continue doing it down the road just, you know, sporadically whenever we damn well feel like it because it's our show, right, Scott? Damn straight. So make sure you come back next week for our rock and rollin' space travelin' movie adventure. My cabbages. Ah!